you know, when Jesus was around, the word up there was that he was a healer. He will feed people. So he was a marketer. You know, Jesus, you know, what a simple. Welcome to the Center for Congregations podcast. This is a conversation for anyone invested in sustaining and strengthening their faith communities. The Center for Congregations is an Indiana nonprofit that exists because we believe the work of your congregation is essential. Our mission is to strengthen your congregation, helping you find the right information or expertise for your congregation's needs. We're able to do this work because of the generosity of the Lilly Endowment. Welcome back to the Center for Congregations podcast. I am Ben Tapper, an associate for resource consulting at the Indianapolis office of the Center for Congregations. And as always, I'm joined by my fantastic, fabulous, I couldn't think of another F word that was appropriate, co-host Matt (laughs) Burke, who's the education director out of our Northeast office. Uh, Good to see you today, Matt. Hey, good to see you. In fairness, I'm not always here. Sometimes it's Shelley, sometimes it's Wendy, so... I'm not always joined, like probably like most of the time. Fair, fair. We're going to hire a fact-checking team to go ahead and just fact-check everything we say. We'll put that at the end of the show. <laughs> and we'll start a new segment of errors and retractions at the end of each episode. Seth Meyers does that. Do you watch Seth Meyers at all? No. So he's a late-night host, and he does that. He has a special segment that comes out on Mondays that is like, I don't know, redactions or apologies where he just like goes through the comments on his social media and he's like, hey, and I got to apologize for this. Oh, and I technically misspoke when I said a jackfruit was a vegetable or you know, just all kinds of goofy stuff. We should do something similar. That could be fun. But that's not why we're here today. We are here today because we had an interview with Manuel Cotazari about branding and marketing for congregations, regardless of your size and why it's important. And so how does that come up in your work, Matt, either as a resource consultant or as the education director? Yeah, it's a good question. It comes up in a lot of ways in terms of our work with congregations because a lot of congregations are interested in it. I mean, communications is something that all organizations have to think about, all people have to think about in some way, shape, or form. And sometimes it's formally discussed as marketing and branding, other times not as such. But yeah, definitely kind of different stances on what marketing and branding are and do for congregations, which we can dive a little bit into if you want. I mean, why not? So what are some of the stances that come up for you? Well, one of the things that's interesting to me, and I think this was my stance for a long time, I didn't like the skepticism that can be around marketing and branding sometimes because I think, and I think I mentioned this in the interview, how marketing and branding has a bad rap because usually when we think about it, we think about manipulation tactics, we think about trying to leverage people into doing something maybe that they don't want to do to purchase a product or think in a way that maybe they don't want to think. So I think that it can have a negative connotation to it. And understandably so. You know, we talk about millennials and how they're the most marketed to generation in history. And you know, you're one of them, so you know this. <laughs> uh, but also just the, the antenna, right, that millennials have for marketing and advertising. And I think a lot of younger Xers do as well. I'd like to fancy myself as someone in that camp too, that you kind of see through the ads and 
you know, like the ads where they try to get you to wear your seatbelt and it's all about, you know, these kids and their, their sad faces and like, you know, please wear your seatbelt. Right. Like, I mean, and you know, that's a message that we should all wear our seatbelts. Like that's a good thing, Mm -hmm. but the emotional manipulation inherent in the advertisement. Right. And so I think when we think of advertising, branding, marketing, sometimes we can think about it in that very negative manipulative way. And that's something that definitely we don't want to be part of a faith tradition, right? We don't want that to be part of our faith community. So I can understand a little bit of skepticism and pushback on thinking about marketing and branding for congregations. Yes, all that is absolutely accurate. As a millennial who's constantly marketed to and being part of the generation out of which the influencer concept was born, I kind of think about marketing and branding is happening all the time anyway, right? So any conversation I have with someone, they're learning something about me. They are making a judgment about me, about who I am, my identity, my public or private brand, if you will. And I think the same thing is true of congregations. And so while I don't often have a lot of cases in which congregations come to me and want to understand how to market themselves better or do better branding, I think congregations are marketing and branding themselves in every conversation they have with us and in every video they put out and every social media statement. And so this particular conversation with Manuel was helpful because I think it helps us understand that whether we are doing so intentionally or not, we're communicating things about ourselves, our values, our cultures, our organizations. And so why not think more strategically and intentionally about what we're communicating and if it aligns with who and what we actually stand for? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that's spot on. As one expert we had in at one time said, I don't remember who it was, so I'm sorry for the, I can't <laughs> I can't get the appropriate attribution. Someone maybe probably said one time. <laughs> Someone maybe probably, no, I know, I know they said it, I just don't remember who it was. But they said, you know, that you have a brand. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, yeah. you are perceived in the world in a specific way because of how you communicate down to the granular fonts and logos and colors that you use, or even the amalgamation of different fonts and colors that you use, Mm -hmm. the way that you speak, the way that you use language. So I think it's important for people to understand that even if you don't like the terms and you don't want to engage in manipulation, you still are communicating something in the styles and the ways that you speak, you write, you do visual media, etc., And it's important to take a look at those things because ideally, you would think it would be a value that we want to communicate as clearly and effectively as possible the important messages about a congregation's identity, its values, what it holds most dear, etc. And that just entails an understanding of how communication works. And for better or for worse, the study of marketing, branding, and communication is the study of those kinds of things. And so one would think we would want to look at those best practices not to be disingenuous or leverage or, you know, to not be underhanded, but to be clear and to be effective. Yes, absolutely. And to that point, actually, a short anecdote about that. I was working with a friend of mine who's also a coach for folks, and she gave me an exercise to do with a handful of people. The exercise was to ask folks what three words or phrases come to mind when they think about my personal or public brand. And so I did that. I I probably sent out a text message to 10 different people and got their responses. And it was really fascinating. I mean, people had immediate thoughts about that, immediate words or phrases that came to mind when they thought about my personal or public brand. 
And it was just kind of a cool exercise. I learned a lot about how I'm perceived. So to your point, we have a brand, right? It's just a matter of being able to identify what that is and then how we might want to change that. Yeah. And transparently, the center, we've talked a lot about this for years now, that how are we communicating our core values and what we do? And I think we have an understanding internally that we don't necessarily do that very well. And so we're learning. Uh, We're trying to figure that out. Actually, we're going through a strategic planning process right now where we're asking some of these very questions that how are we perceived in the public eye? How do people see and understand us? So hopefully, you know, through this process, the center will learn to talk about itself in a more clear way. Not that, again, we're trying to manipulate or be underhanded, but just be more clear so that people can say, oh, okay, yes, that's actually something I would like to access or even no. Like if you're communicating clearly and someone says that's not for me, that's actually a good thing. And I think maybe as congregations, that's something to embrace, that getting clear about your identity, your mission, your values And if people say, you know, I'm not really super interested in that, if you're being clear in your communication, that's actually a positive because they're not going to come and then be disappointed that they'll find perhaps another faith community or congregation that does match up with what they're looking for. And so thinking about communication in that way of just being accurate, honest, and effective so that people can make an informed decision whether it's something that is for them or something that is not for them. Yep, absolutely. And we hope that you also can understand and identify why communications and branding might be important for you as a congregational leader, as a lay leader, or maybe just as an individual that's part of a conversation. I think there are things you're going to be able to glean from this conversation that can apply to a variety of aspects of your life. So enjoy this interview. It was a fun conversation with Manuel, and we hope that you learned from it as much as we were able to. Welcome back. We're here today with a very special guest. Uh, I'm Matt and I are joined by Manuel Corazari. Manuel is the pastor of East Chicago Church and the executive director of Crown Media. He has over 20 years experience working with mega churches around the topics of media, marketing, and branding. And so we are thrilled to have you here today, Manuel, and to learn from the expertise that you've accumulated over the years. So welcome to the podcast. And is there anything else that you would want folks to know about you before we jump in? Well, I'm just so thankful, guys, that we're here together. I love the Center for Congregations. I love McKinsey. And now I get to know you guys. It's amazing how we're all together on this, right? And my little story was that I was born in Costa Rica all my entire life. The heart desire to learn and to grow and to know things that no one knew. So I was going library to library, disappointed because I couldn't find books in my country. I went to the the local library. I went to the Capitals Library and they're like, no, sorry, we don't have anything about TV or graphics. And sorry. So at that time, we didn't have internet. So I'm like, man, if I can learn, I have to go where I can find those things. So I end up in United States at the age of 21. And I went to the library and I was like so happy because I was learning all the things. My heart desired uh, editing and graphics, even HTML came out at that time in 1996. You know, I was like, HTML, that's amazing. And then so I found a local church. This church was growing, amazing church. It's 
was called Family Christian Center. It was in Griffith, Indiana mm-hmm. at that time. Pastor Steve Mansi and I had a mentor and the mentor at that time, you know, we speak Spanish. So my mentor was translating the books from English to Spanish so I could learn. So I was just really, really involved. And about two years after that, I got a job at Family Christian Center as the web designer guy and web and graphics. And I ended up 10 years full-time working for that church. And we did amazing things, conferences, with the huge banners, with the radio programs, TV programs. It was just like, uh, it was an amazing experience. And then I ended up getting another job in the city of Chicago, working for James T. Mix. That was a, a pastor. He has an auditorium of 10,000 seats. Uh, the name of it is the House of Hope or Salem Baptist Church. And then in 2018, I just felt in my heart to go back to a small little city called East Chicago, Indiana. And I found there was a lot of kids there and a lot of needs. So my wife and I have been there for the last four to five years. We have a small church, but we've been applying a lot of principles that we use at the mega churches so that we can make it grow and we can make it exciting. And and so people are all really excited to come to church. That's phenomenal. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your story. That is helpful context just to understand like who you are and what motivates and drives you. I love that you shared that. Thank you for that. I didn't know before this interview that you worked at FCC. So as you know, I grew up in Maryville. And so I know of FCC. I have friends that went there probably around the time you were working there. And so it's just a fun little connection. That's incredible. Pastor Steve Manzi. Wow. <laughs> what a what a guy. What a pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really popular congregation up there. Really popular. So thinking about your experience working with mega churches and now being the pastor of a smaller church in East Chicago, what are some of the main reasons a church or a congregation, regardless of its size, should care about marketing and branding? Well, that is amazing that you're asking that. You know, Jesus, you know, what a simple, he had a system together. We know that Jesus had a treasure. We know that Jesus had an inner circle. He had crowds. I tell you, Jesus has social media. And I believe it, social media. I believe there was uh, good reviews. There was some bad reviews. <laughs> he knew how to go to the mountains. It talks about Jesus will go by the fisherman, by the sea. He just kind of like, you know, when Jesus was around, the word up there was that he was a healer. He will feed people. So he was a marketer. You know, and I think in today's churches, you know, we got so many different churches and some churches are falling apart. Some churches are thriving. And so we have to use tools that are available for pastors and congregations so that we can grow. We can have that word out there and we can grow as as a church, you know. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I'd be interested in your take on a lot of people when they hear us talk about marketing and branding in the context of congregations, they tend to shy away from that because marketing and branding, at least in our society, kind of feels manipulative or it feels like we're just, you know, trying to get something for ourselves as opposed to really caring for the people on the other end of it. And of course, I don't believe that's what you're saying, but I'm just curious as to how you might speak to that about that skepticism around the ideas of marketing and branding in congregations. You are totally true. We have to present ourselves. We have to know who we are. That's number one. And the reason why you are 
while you're a pastor or you're a church. And then you have to come across through social media and through websites that we're here to give a service. We're here to help families be restored. We are here to help your children, your young people get closer to God. So we're not selling anything. We're not manipulating anybody. We're just utilizing those tools so that people get to know us. Like if you don't communicate with people in the marketplace, they're going to have a concept on their mind. But if you have a story or you have a video that talks about where you came from or you have a blog or, you know, you just if you're connecting with a community, then people's going to start seeing your true heart. I really believe in video and podcasts because a lot of times you meet somebody that you just saw a picture or you saw some text and a website. But when you meet him face to face, you're like, oh, my goodness, this person is amazing. So I believe in utilizing tools, even in your website, so that you people get to know you before they even come to your church. Yeah, I appreciate that. And so what I'm hearing you say is that it's not a method of manipulation or persuasion, but rather a clear way of showing who you are, whether that be as a person or whether that be as a congregation. And I also love your emphasis on the step prior that you need to understand and know who you are, because then that helps you understand what you're communicating and what is you know, the so-called brand or the marketing that you're doing. You're so right. Like Pastor Shul ask. You know, what's the benefits of coming to our church? And in our church, we give free coffee. (laughs) In our church, we have great music. Our culture is focused on loving one another. We don't judge people. But there is other things that we want to increase. So I would like to have a better system or better programs for the young people or the children. So that is my to-do list or to do in our prayer list to go forward after. So you write down the benefits that you are giving to the community and who those people are. Define who you're serving. Find out what the community or the neighborhood that you are. Find out who they are and what their needs. And then so you're able to make a good job. I love this conversation around defining who you are and It sounds really simple and easy, but if you've been a part of any organization at any point in time, you know it's not not easy to do at all. And so what are some tips that that you have or best practices that you've seen for congregations that want to begin or continue the process of really identifying who they are or maybe who they serve? That is so true. And uh, what I do most of the time, you know, I ask questions to my wife or my friends, or people. And I asked them, tell me a little bit, I'm in the conquest from knowing about our church. What is your intake? You know, what areas we're doing good or what areas we're doing bad? Because it's something that you can't do it in yourself. Even branding, it takes a lot of energy from you to do branding for yourself. You have to kind of have somebody next to you You know, when I look at you guys or when I look at somebody or a pastor and I start looking from the side view, I see the whole picture. But sometimes we pastors don't have that. And and so sometimes we make a lot of mistakes because it's just one way. So I would believe getting feedback, 
from your best friend, your neighbor, getting feedback from the neighborhood. Say, do you guys know about a church? It's like, no, we don't know who you are. Oh, yeah, we heard how you heard from a church. We saw you on Facebook or we saw a sign or, or my neighbor. You know, you are here. There is something called the rule of seven. Mm-hmm. It says that in order for you to get attention, people have to see your branding seven times. So you have to have a sign, Facebook, you have to have different ways that you're coming across so that you can make an effective marketing. So Manuel, as as we think about what it means to do effective branding and marketing, as we think about what it means to know who you are, I'm wondering if there are differences in that process based upon the culture of the congregation. Or is this process roughly the same if you're a, a white English-speaking congregation versus if you are a, a predominantly Spanish-speaking congregation versus if you are a predominantly black congregation, is it roughly the same or are there nuances depending upon your cultural context? Well, the same rules applies to every single person, even if you're a businessman. You know, I believe that every single person that is alive with a mission should have branding or should have marketing. Because we are in a conquest to make life happens. You know, the Bible, it talks that you should not be hidden. A, a city should not be hidden. You know, it should be in the top of a mountain. And then so sometimes we are a gift to the world. You're a gift to the neighborhood where you're at. So you need to know about you. You need to know who you're helping. You have to have confidence in the gifts that God has given you. You don't serve everybody. There is a specific type of people that you're going after. And then that helps you to have your niche. Yeah, it's just, it's such a powerful idea. I just had lunch with a guy and we were just talking about our lives and our families. And his wife is a preschool teacher. And a couple of days a week, she has four-year-olds. And then a couple of days a week, she has three-year-olds. And just thinking about, for me, I can't do that. <laughs> that is not an age category or age group that I can deal with. And so just remembering that a personal a marketing or branding is an embracing of our own specific gifts and talents. And I think so often in congregational culture, we are afraid of marketing and branding or thinking about it in that way because we do want to embody humility. But at the same time, it's not that you're not being humble, but it's that you are understanding and communicating the unique gifting that God has given you and it helps you be better known to those around you so that those gifts can be used and can be explored. So just, I think that's such a really cool thing that I've not really heard before, is having a sense of your own personal brand and, and marketing strategy or communicating about yourself, because we are all uniquely gifted and suited for specific things. That is so true. And all we're doing is building bridges, mm-hmm. right? We're building, and you know, some people say sales is not good. But if you're selling a product that's going to benefit someone, mm. a product that is a solution for someone. So in today's world, you know, we believe that the world sells, the sales word is negative. But Jesus is a product and it comes free. All you have to do is receive it. There is incredible things, branding like Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. You know, people will go through three Dunkin' Donuts to find a Starbucks, or they will go to three Starbucks to find a Dunkin' Donuts. People will be in line for a day so that they could be the first people that buy the iPhone or the iPad. 
And then so that's just is the branding where people just I want to be the first one. Although you could just buy it online a week later. So branding and marketing, and it's just like you mentioned, communicating that you have a solution for others. You know, there is broken marriages. There is kids. You don't know their future. There is young people that needs this product. There is seniors that needs company. So you are a solution that you come into your community. And that's all we do it all through branding, through videos and websites and flyers and now social media. Yeah, what do you think potentially some of the biggest problems are with how congregations communicate themselves to the world? What do you see as some of the key barriers? Well, like I mentioned before, I think the pastors sometimes they're not defined in the inside. They really don't know about themselves. A lot of times they're so busy, they ignore marketing. In the Bible, God says, go ye into the world and make disciples. Go is a word that tells us to kind of go and do outreach programs, go in the community and connect with others. Kind of like the word go is not stay inside the church and expect somebody to come. It is not a passive word. It's a very active word. So for us, it's very important in marketing that people knows about our churches. You know, maybe a small little billboard. It, it could even be one of those political signs in a yard. It could be, you know, some of your signage. Like I have here, I have a, a ticket. It's like a free ticket. Or oh, let me describe you this. I have this ticket in my hand with our picture, our address. It says free snacks and coffee with this flyer. So people just bring their friends. And at the end, at the back of it also has like a little prayer for salvation. And it says, if you pray this prayer, come visit us. We have a gift for you. So all of that works together to attract people. Another thing is communicating through videos. Mm. You know, do videos about your story, right? Do videos about testimonials. Do videos about behind the scenes. Let me just take you behind the scenes of our church as our choirs are practicing right now. Don't tell anybody. Or, hey, I want to show you, you know, even though I'm a pastor, I still have to cut the grass sometime. Let me show you what I'm, I'm going to be planting this flower to make the church good looking. Mm -hmm. You know, let me just show you the process of how we do communion here. So you're communicating, you're feeding the people, you know, just today is so much noise. So you have to raise up. And then so the people get starting to know you. Another key is SEO. I'm a web designer. And SEO has helped our church so much. Like we have 20 reviews online. So it means almost like every single member that I have plus they're all I'm sending them to send a positive review. But if you have a church of 100 people and you got three reviews, which church are they going to be going to? They're probably going to go to mine that has 16 or 20 reviews. So, but I see other churches with 100 and I applaud that. You have to be aware that people are searching church near me. And SEO stands for search engine optimization, right? And it's, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's things that you can do to help ensure that your congregation 
will come up higher in the Google search results, for instance. Is that right? That is so true. That's why I call our church East Chicago Church. So because people's typing East Chicago Churches, Indiana. <laughs> so it's just kind of a very sneaky way. But sometimes we have, you know, St. Mary or you have all these long names and it's totally okay. But I utilize keywords, you know, so for us, if you type East Chicago Church or Churches or East Chicago, Indiana Churches, then we're at the very top. I really utilize tools to keep ourselves right at the top. And then in East Chicago, you have 50 churches, but a lot of them are not into it. A lot of them don't pay attention to those things. So, Yeah, and I think that illustrates an important part of our modern culture that a lot of folks don't think about is if you're going to look for a congregation to attend, chances are you're going to start online. And what you're describing with video is if someone gets a sense of your personality as the senior pastor of that congregation and what the building looks like and how you do communion, then essentially there's already a familiarity that when they come, then they will have a sense of what's going to happen, what they're going to encounter, what they're going to see. And that's much easier for someone to take a step to do that than it is if you just see a picture of a building and maybe a picture of the sanctuary with no one in there. It's not as appealing because you don't have a sense of what you're going to encounter or what things are going to be like. So I think that's a really, really cool way of opening the doors of your congregation to everyone so they can see what's happening inside. That makes sense. Manuel, you occupy a unique space in that, you know, you are a pastor of a congregation, but you also have a kind of professional experience doing marketing and branding. You've got a company that you run that does that work. And so I'm wondering, how do congregations know when it's time to bring in a professional like yourself versus when it's something that they can do on their own with the resources and expertise that they have at their disposal? See, what happens is I believe the people always going to be paying with something, right? Mm. And our mission has a timeline in it, right? It's like click, click, tick, 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 tick. It's going fast. And uh, sometimes we pay with time when we have volunteers from our church or we have this young person and he wants to learn about that. Or we find a friend, my uncle, you know, you were seen in a wedding, you know, there's a wedding and they say, my uncle, he likes photography. So he's going to bring one of his yellow cameras. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we pay with time. So you pay with time or you can pay with finances and it doesn't have to be expensive, but it's just even, you know, advice or even having somebody at your side, like a coach, you know, for us, you know, we're a small church. You're not able to do everything at once, but I know what I'm defining. What is our priority right now for us? We're building our kids ministry. It's starting to talk into volunteers, building our music ministry. Those are the two. But I would like to change everything at once. But as a small church, we can do it. So, yeah, I believe having somebody around you to help you or you know, do an assessment of where you're at. If you're in page 32 on Google, chances are you're not going to attract any newcomers. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I did just test this out, folks. I Googled East Chicago churches, and sure enough, Manuel's congregation comes up in the first one or two results. So he's, he's got it going. <laughs> the only problem is I may have to be careful because some of the East Chicago churches are going to hire me to, to <laughs> work for them and then we're gonna I'm gonna competing against myself no that's no but you know what I want to tell you 
in today's world, I know I've been hearing about a lot of pastors quitting their jobs, a lot of pastors just uh, leaving, you know, because it's too hard, it's too much work. And so you got people that are just, they're struggling with churches. And I, one thing that I'm doing and that we're doing in East Chicago is that we all the pastors are coming together. Like I just invited three pastors in three weekends. The three that pastors came to our church. One of them just gave me a set of drums. The other pastors blessed me with a, a big offer. I supposed to bless him and he just gave us a huge offering. But we are coming together so that we can have a network or a strength. Because if you're down by yourselves, you know, in a corner and you don't have someone to talk to or pray for. One of the pastors that came to our church just got COVID, Pastor Saddles here in East Chicago. And then so I'm sending him test messages, said, Pastor, as soon as you get out of here, that trouble, I'm going to take you to Red Blaster, feel better. You know, you just kind of like, we got to come together at these times. You know, people are not going to church as much. You know, when COVID came, we lost 50% of our congregation. Wow. A lot of people did that. Yeah, that's, that's a good word. And I've just encouraged any pastors listening to think about creating a network of support with other pastors in your area if you've not done that. And if you're not a pastor, but you're a congregational leader, you need to hear that being a pastor, in my opinion, and having worked with congregations and been in churches all my life, it's one of the most demanding jobs in existence. And so just finding ways to support your clergy member who's a part of your congregation, it's so important. So thank you for raising that, Manuel. That's really, really an important consideration. And that's so great that you're getting that community in your area. Thank you. Even in our church services, we pray for our pastors, our neighbors, our churches. We pray for Norris, Indiana. We, we got to start praying from Indianapolis <laughs> and <laughs> Fort Wayne, right? <laughs> but we really kind of like, you have to start thinking away from those kind of like competition and you have to start thinking more, most like your competition is not the churches, is the competition is the enemy, you know, the spirit of drugs and alcohol, the competition is broken marriages, you know, we have a lot of things going against us. And then so if you think the other churches are your competition, that's not going to be very good. You know, we have to really come together, become stronger. You know, if I fall or I need a day off or I need, I need plenty of support. And then so you can find it as you build those bridges with pastors. Can you imagine in a city when you have 10 pastors praying at a breakfast, all of them together for that place? That would be amazing. I love the vision of collaboration that you have. And I think that that can be woven into this understanding of marketing and branding, right? It's one thing to talk about and think about what your congregation can do, how it can name itself and define itself and its community. But it's another thing to think about how can we do that as like the pastors of East Chicago or the pastors of Crown Point or Fort Wayne or Seymour or Evansville, right? And so you can create like a brand identity even among a small group of pastors or a small group of congregations that are coming together to do a work for a community. And then that might impact the branding or the public image and the ways that the community itself is perceived, right? Which is then going to kind of improve everything in the community. So the spirit of collaboration, it's not something I usually think about when I'm thinking about marketing and branding, 
But I love that you brought it up and I think it adds a layer of depth to this conversation and to this discussion that is really important. So thank you for naming that. And you know, Ben, a lot of these, those ideas I got in for you guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was there with the Catholic priest. There was a Methodist guy. There was a Pentecostal lady preacher. And we all come in together and we're like, oh my gosh, like, who are you? Like, how? Like, we all have one common denomination. We all going after, you know, serving God, giving people hope, restoring people's lives, you know, helping people get closer to God, loving people, loving God. Yes. Thank you for that free advertisement, Manuel. We appreciate that. So check out the Center for Congregation, y'all. We, we do good work from time to time. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Do a great job. <laughs> Thank you, sir. As we wrap up here, we would love to know, for those that want to learn more about you, your congregation, or the work that you do with Crown Media, how can they find you? Well, our church, of course, is this chicagochurch.com, and we ask you to pray for us. We are in a place where, you know, mostly people are needy, you know, broken marriages. You see a lot of kids going around. Some of those kids, they broke some of our windows. Mm -hmm. You know, we're really uh, going into an area where there's not a lot of finances. Pray for us that God give us the strength. We really care for the young people. We want to invest into their lives. I'm believing God that in the next two, three years, we're going to have a music school. And next 10 years, we want to have a thousand students. So the Northwest Indiana is going to have nothing but musicians. Indiana is going to have amazing anointed musicians. That's in our heart. Utilize music because that's how I became bold or I knew I started singing in front of people. I started playing piano and guitar. And, and then so that developed who I am as a person. So that's one. And then Crown Media you know, we just really enjoy helping people. You know, like I get to know people and I get to see what's in their hearts. And then we put that online, on presence, online branding. And then so it's so transparent, the life mission, how you can connect with others through branding, videos, marketing. And it's something that looks appealing. It's incredible. Something that makes people want to, say yes to your church, to your, say yes as a pastor. You know, another thing that is growing now is online church services, mm -hmm. you know, where the church is no longer local. Thanks to the pandemic, it opens the door where you can have an online church and you can have members in Florida and in Texas and Tennessee, you know, so it's an incredible times for all of us, but we have to raise our church branding and we also have to raise our personal branding you guys can check some of our work at, at crownmediagroup.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today, Manuel. It has been a blessing to have you and to learn from your expertise and your experience. So we appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I'm honored. That was Pastor Manuel Corasati of East Chicago Church and Crown Media Group. So, Ben, what are some of your takeaways from the conversation? So, one of the things that fascinated me most about our conversation was the variation in experience that Manuel brings into this topic. 
you know, he has experience working with mega churches. His own congregation is a medium or smaller congregation. Plus, he does this professionally with Crown Media Group. And so he's able to approach this from multiple angles. And I really appreciated just that diversity of perspective and the fullness of perspective that he was able to bring. And he was able to both kind of speak as a pastor doing this work, articulating why it's important for congregations to think about the stories they're telling and to think about how they're being perceived by others, what their brand is or isn't unintentionally or intentionally, but also to kind of sometimes sound like a consultant, right? And it'd be advising folks about some of the best practices and the do's and don'ts. And so I think overall, I just loved the variety of angles he was able to approach this conversation with. Yeah, I always love it when you can see someone has a true passion for the subject matter. And I think that describes Pastor Kodosari very well, that it's something he really believes in. And I think that comes through in the conversation that not only does he have experience in it, but it's something that he really thinks is valuable, which is always really fun, really cool to listen to. Absolutely. And I felt he articulated, you know, some of what we were talking about in the first segment of this episode about the importance of having a brand and the reality that as a congregation, you've got a brand whether you want to or not, right? People are going to assume things about you. And so why not be intentional? And if I'm not mistaken, he was kind of explicit in calling out the fact that we need as congregants, as congregational leaders, we need to be able to understand what our culture is, what our values are, so that we can then communicate it. But a lot of times we haven't done the work ourselves of actually naming what our culture is. We're too busy swimming in the waters to kind of get a bigger picture look at it. And so we got to start there. Yeah, if I could provide one kind of overarching piece of advice for congregations and what I've seen in my work here, and I've been doing this work for seven and a half years, it really is a lack of understanding of congregational identity. Mm. That I think we have these generic fallbacks that go to our theology or our doctrinal statements, which, and those are valuable, don't get me wrong, and I'm not saying that those aren't important, but there's also the human element of your community, that you are a group of people and there are certain aspects to your culture. I remember I went to a church one time when I was in seminary and I wore a tie and I was kind of shamed, not me personally, and it was a large congregation, so I don't think the pastor saw me specifically, but basically talked about they're not a tie-wearing place and kind of shamed me for wearing a tie. And that's an element of the culture, right? It's an aspect of who they were. And I think we're often not reflective of what our culture really is, Yeah, that we have vague notions of our identity and culture, but we don't do, as you said, Ben, the hard work of delving into that. And I think it affects how we communicate. I think it affects how we interact with others. I think it affects how we view planning for the future, that without an understanding of core identity and culture and values we kind of just meander through life and things are as they have been without really thinking about direction and thinking about who we want to be as a congregation. Yeah, wonderful points. And I still, I mean, listeners, you're going to get a better understanding of how my mind works, for better or worse. You made some great points there, and I couldn't get past imagining how that tie thing played out. And I feel like it would be a great commercial for clip on ties, right? Like just you in the back, in the, in the back row of the church, you hear this message and you just casually clip off your tie, shove it in your pocket. And now you're in the in crowd of the congregation. That's right. Hey, clip on ties help you to always be prepared. That's right. Clip on for the win. <laughs> Oh man! Regardless, yeah, I'm so I'm so glad that was your primary takeaway from <laughs> from my my points there, Ben. That that makes me feel great. 
So listeners, I, I hope you took more away from that than just imagining me ripping off a clip-on tie in the back of a congregation, in the back of a sanctuary. You know, in my defense, as, as I think of the commercial playing out, it wasn't like a quick rip-off. Like, you just kind of looked around, just subtly slipped off the tie, put it in your pocket, unbuttoned a few more buttons, maybe took off the blazer, and now you're casual, Matt, in this hip congregation. Anyway. This, though, speaks to, again, what we said in that first segment. You know, you you talked about the fact that the Center for Congregations, we ourselves are doing some of this work of understanding what our brand is and what it communicates. And I think the same is true of understanding our culture. And we have kind of a, a longer history of, of some values that we've stated regularly. And we're in the process now of evaluating, okay, this is what we say we're about. Is that actually what we live out and do in our work? Not in a even a judgmental way, but just... Is this still who we are? You know, you, you, when you say something about an organization 20 years ago, you have to periodically refresh those and just update them as the organization change and adapts and brings in new people. And so, you know, we are very much in the process of doing that work. And so it's something we're living out daily, which is why I think this particular episode may have resonated uh, a bit more deeply than some others, because this is where we're at as an organization. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It makes me think of congregations. I can't tell you how many congregations that I've heard talk about, you know, you ask them to describe themselves and they talk about themselves as a friendly congregation. Mm -hmm. And just in my visiting congregations in my personal life, sometimes it can be mistaken that you have a tight-knit community and that being the same thing as friendly, Mm -hmm. because it may not be. There are congregations I've walked into that you can see warm relationships of the people with one another, but not a whole lot of warmth and desire to meet someone new. And so understanding the difference between that, that you as someone who's been there 20 years, 10 years, five years may have an experience of it being a friendly environment, but that's because you're known and accepted. But what about the people who come in that are new? And Ben, to your point, do our actions live out those values? If you want to be a friendly congregation, what do you see happening when someone new comes in? Are they warmly greeted? Are they spoken with? Are they invited to lunch? You know, things like that. Like, do the actions of the congregation live out the stated values? I think that's such an important point to take away. Absolutely. And then, you know, even bringing in the uh, the cultural competency component, understanding that if you're in a place where you might be engaging with folks from different ethnicities, races, and cultures, that what's friendly within your cultural context may come off very differently in someone else's cultural context. And so as much as you can, doing that continual work of understanding how the other might be perceiving you, how the stranger walking in your door might be perceiving you. Quick example, there was a congregation I attended a while back, and when I'd walk in, they would greet me, shake my hand, maybe give me a hug. People would come and talk to me throughout the service. People would come find me after the service. And in their minds, they're being very hospitable, very friendly. And for some people, that would have felt wonderful. For me, I want to spend the first two or three Sundays I visit you just kind of getting the lay of the land and kind of scoping you out and deciding if I actually want to engage any deeper. And so I'm like, y'all are being too much. You need to just chill. Like, yes, say hi at the door and then let me be. I will find you. Okay, don't go, don't find me. Um, and so it, it wasn't necessarily off-putting per se, but... It it felt like a lot, but I know they were just doing their best to try to make me feel welcomed. And so that's going to vary culture to culture and a lot of times even person to person. You won't always get it right. But I think people can tell when you're trying genuinely. And and that's maybe what's most important. Mm -hmm.
So Matt, what resources did you find for this week that helped kind of bring home some of these points? Yeah, I want to bring up one of my favorite books by someone we've actually had as a presenter before, Kim Meyer, and her book is called Less Chaos, Less Noise, Effective Communications for an Effective Church. It's a fantastic book. It's in kind of very short bite-sized chapters that deal with different aspects of communication in congregations. And I learned a lot just about how the center communicates via our email and things like that. And I highly recommend this book for any congregation, even regardless of faith tradition. It's just such solid information. She worked in the corporate marketing and communication world for a long time and brings a lot of that specifically to congregational life. And I really just can't recommend it enough. It's a great reference book. Again, not something you need to read cover to cover in a short period of time, but something you can lay down and pick up three months later and find really good insights and tips in the following chapters. And Kim also does consulting. So if you're interested in that, you can check her out for doing some consulting with your congregation as well. But just a really, really solid work. I'm glad you brought that up because our branding, our story, all that comes out in many more ways than just how we interact with people in person or virtually, you know, on Sunday morning. It's in the emails we send to small groups. It's in the comments we make on social media posts. So, yeah, I think helping folks understand that there's a robustness to the ways in which our brand is being communicated and across varying mediums. So it sounds like that could be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, something that we learned at the center that we are very academic, especially in how we write. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways we're trying to correct that is by you and I being a couple of idiots on this podcast. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> trying to demonstrate that we're, we're just regular people who really care about congregations. <laughs> I think very well suited for this particular task. <laughs> oh, man. So the resource I wanted to talk about is the book Building a Story Brand. The book is interesting because it walks through how to clarify your message. So they call it customers, but in congregations congregations term, you know, future congregants, community members, etc. will listen. They talk through how to tell the story, how to build a story arc, how to frame a story, but also how to communicate your message, how to talk about, think about the values of your congregation in a way that will meet the needs of people you're trying to reach, right? And I think that piece in particular is very important uh, because Matt, you made a comment earlier, there are plenty of congregations that will describe themselves as friendly or, you know, Christ-centered, or family-oriented, right? And those are terms we understand, but they also are so general, they don't really mean anything, right? And they can be lived out a myriad of different ways, depending upon the community. And so being able to become more specific and intentional with how you name yourselves and the needs that you're claiming your congregation and your specific community will meet that another might not that's going to help you connect with the people that are best suited for your community, right? And that's really what this is about. And so that's why I really like this book and the concept of story branding itself. It has principles that help you talk about yourself, speak about yourself and your organization or congregation in such a way that you can reach the people that your community is meant to reach. Yeah, that specificity is really important. I absolutely agree. And I've got one more. It's a website, a web resource called Pro Church Tools. The head of that is Brady Shearer. And it's just a really well-put-together website and information on communications. It focuses a lot on digital, so a lot of social media and video. But they've got a lot of free resources on here, along with blog posts, short videos, and just think they have a podcast as well. So a lot of different resources to help you think about digital communication, especially, and how to use that well. 
and I'm just really impressed with their organization. I actually tried to get Brady on as a an event presenter, and he's too busy because I think he's really good. <laughs> so, so check out ProChurchTools.com, and as always, we'll have all of these resources listed in the show notes. And if you would like anything else in the show notes, we invite you to email us at podcast at centerforcongregations.org. We still have only had, I think, two people email us so far, and one of them is a good friend of mine. So he doesn't, he counts. You matter. He, <laughs> you do matter. John Swanson, say him by name. Johnny Swanson, love you. You do matter. Only one person who didn't know us has emailed us at the podcast inbox. So we would love for you to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Just feedback on the show. You could tell us to please stop talking. Right. <laughs> yeah. Stop clogging the airwaves with this information. But no, we'd love to hear from you. So if you have thoughts on things you would like in the show notes, let us know. And, you know, if any of you are so inclined and maybe artistically motivated and want to recreate what that Snap on Tie commercial might look like, feel free to do so (laughs) and then send us the video. I'd love to see my vision come to life. So if you want to make that happen, I say go for it. And actually, if you're listening this deep in the episode, send us an email that just says clip on tie to podcast at centerforcongregations.org. We'd love to know the one person who's still hanging on and who was only kind of half listening while they were multitasking and then suddenly has snapped back into attention and like, oh, okay. So email clip on tie to podcast at centerforcongregations.org. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. (laughs) We want to take a moment to thank our producer, Jaden Lee, for making us sound good and for helping us. I mean, he's been a a great help just in some of the strategy, thinking about how to order episodes, as well as how to tweak our sounds that we actually sound like competent, intelligent human beings. And so Jaden, we appreciate you. Thank you for all the work you do and for the music that you've created specifically for this podcast. This is original music by Jaden. So if you like the music, check him out. Yeah, Jaden, thank you for perpetuating the lie that we're competent. Someone's got to keep that lie alive. Uh, we also want to thank the Lilly Endowment. Their generosity funds the Center for Congregations and makes everything that we do possible. So we really appreciate their backing and their faith in us as we serve congregations. Absolutely. And as always, if you want to learn more about the resources that we offer uh, or just to dive deeper into the resources that we have around marketing and branding, we encourage you to check out the CRG website. That is T-H-E-C-R-G.org. It's just an online database of thousands of resources that we've compiled that we think you'll find interesting. So check that out, the CRG.org. We would love for you to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If you find this podcast helpful, the easiest way for other people to find it is to leave a rating and a review so that other folks will see it. And finally, please follow us on social media, specifically Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at the Center for Congregations. That's a way to stay up to date on congregational stories and highlights, resources, as well as education events that are coming down the pipeline. Yeah, and we really appreciate all of you who listen. We value your work in your congregations and your communities. And we're here for you, honestly. We believe in what you're doing. We believe it's important work. And we're just here to support that. So thank you for listening. And please let us know how we can help you. We would love to hear from you. Absolutely. So thanks for listening this week. We'll be back again in two weeks with another great interview. As always, I'm Ben Tapper. And I'm Matt Burke. 